Uh, we are in an amazing preaching series right now that I truly feel, uh, Hannah and I were praying about it and chatting all week and months and even again this morning, I cannot shake, I think this right now is, is like a, a culture statement for us as a church. And so we want to talk on this for a long time. We want this to absolutely flood and fill every single part of what we do as a church. We is greater than me. In an age where it is pushing isolation, it is pushing you, 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 you do what makes you happy, you do what makes you feel good, you, 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 you. I think what we see with the body of God, and, and as much, I, I flinch sometimes at the statement countercultural because I don't want to be completely different to everyone and, 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 and differentiate ourselves and separate ourselves from the world. However, in the world and in our workspace and in our families, we take this kingdom culture with us. Amen? And it's a kingdom of God culture. And what is, what is heaven constantly screaming? What is, what is heaven purchased for us? What does it mean when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done? What did he do for us on that cross? And one of the most amazing, significant things we're going to talk about over the coming month is that you were not just born again. You were not just forgiven. You are not just a new creation. You were brought into a family, into a body. We is greater than me. I, I said last week, and I will absolutely stand by this statement, you are not your real you until you are surrounded by the people God has called you to, and they will bring out the you God created you to be. When you're sitting at home alone, binging on Netflix, and that's your life, and you just pop an Instagram post up every now and again, but no one really sees the real you, no one's calling you out in love. There's no such thing as speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. That's not happening because you're not letting anyone in, right? Right? But you know, if you've had a chance yet, I know for myself, when you put yourself in a relationship, in a group of people, in a friendship circle, where you can be vulnerable enough and humble enough to take off this mask and go, hey, hey, I know I had this up and I know it was keeping me safe. And actually, now that there's trust here and now there's a relationship, I need to take this off. This was here just to make me feel secure. But I know that that's not the real me. And so I'm going to pull this back because I, I want you to see the real me and I want the real me to grow. I want the real me to flourish and, and not this fake me, that uh, this filter me or this Instagram or this Facebook me or this whatever me. Uh, no, I want the real me exposed because, hey, honestly in Jesus, only the real you is what he wants. The real you is who he created you to be. The real you is what he was knitting when he said, I knitted you and formed you in your mother's womb before you were born. I knew you. Uh, that's... That's the you he was making, not the fake you culture is screaming at you to be, the real you. And so what we, I want to hammer, we is greater than me, is that uh, it's not about isolation. In the body of Christ, if you will be you, God will use that in such amazing and powerful ways. It, we said it last week and... It was a statement, I was trying to put some words to it for a while, and I'm sorry if this is too simple, but this is it's the best way I can do it. You do you, yet not just for you. We want you to be you. We don't want a whole bunch of me's in the room. We don't want a whole bunch of Graham's. I mean, that's a competitive world right there, where we are just going to eat burgers and watch football and hang about. Like, imagine if everyone was that. We don't want that kind of world. You, you be you. you you're going to flourish as you. 
But you do you, just not for you. Because the world is saying you do you for you. As long as you're happy, everything's good. There couldn't be a statement that I resent more because I see it as filled with lies. Yet it sounds so likable. Tim Keller says it this way. I love his mind. Tim Keller says, Every human being craves ultimate freedom and community. Maturity is seeing you can't have both. I'll say it again because I want you to catch it. Tim Keller says, Every human being craves ultimate freedom. I want to have the final say on every single thing in my life, in my world. I want ultimate freedom. Yet we're all created for community and relationship and people and being in a friendship circle and a, a tribe, if you will, a society. We're created for that. We long for that. And maturity is saying, you can't have both. Husbands, I know you're about to shout amen when I say the moment you get married, you give up ultimate freedom. Do you know what I'm saying? Any others in the room? No, just me? All right, fantastic. All right. Why? Because what's, what's benefited, what's gained in that marriage is greater than me living by myself having ultimate freedom. Otherwise, I'm eating $5 Domino's pizzas every single night and watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine till midnight. Like, that seems good in some ways, but that's not, that's not life, right? Like, life is created to be in community. And there is beauty in you giving up parts of your ultimate freedom. There is beauty in every now and again you not getting your own way. We call it maturing out of being a toddler. <laughs> So today, uh, I want to speak on something, uh, if I'm honest, I completely prepped another word all week, and I was happy with it. Um, this is, I, I've been preaching since I was 15 years old. I would have to say I've preached at least a thousand times. This is about the fifth time ever I have felt God completely say, don't preach that, preach something else. And it was something we spoke at our all-in team night recently, that I feel, um, I was chatting with Han about it when we were talking, that uh, it was something as well that we want to see not just as a, a word or a sermon. This is, this is something as a culture we're going to continue to cultivate, what we're going to call a culture of grace. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we love you. We thank you as we continue to embark on this, not just message, but this, um, this revelation that we is greater than me, that you would please continue to speak to us, Holy Spirit, about not just what you've done in us, but what you've brought us into through your love and through your power, through your grace. We were saved into a family, saved into a body, saved into a church, that you are showing your love and light to this world, not through individuals being individuals, but through the church, filled with your power and your love and your grace. I pray that we would see the beauty in being a part of a community where we get to be vulnerable, but that also matures and shapes and molds us, and you do such beautiful work in that humility, God. I thank you. Bring that as a revelation to us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, and can you pass my iPad, please? I, uh, in the case, thank you. I, uh, for the last, like, year, I have been, you know, not super proactively, but just, like, every time it came out, every time I'm a store, every time I'm somewhere, I'm looking for a new iPad case. And this one's getting all ripped up and beaten. It's been great, but I've had it for about seven years now. This is not me asking you to buy an iPad case. Sometimes the people in our church are so dang generous. I say something from the stage and they're like, I, I know what you're really saying there, so I wanted to bless you. And I'm like, you're so kind, but it was just a preaching illustration. Um, and so, you know, it's like ripped up and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't mind getting another one, like another iPad case, right? Because I, even though it was working, I kind of was not appreciating it 
for its job. I didn't think it was doing as much as I assumed it could do, and I was like, I, I might just get another iPad case until last Sunday. Last Sunday hit, and uh, now I'm pretty sure I'm never going to get another iPad case in my life. iPads and iPhones, in my opinion, as much as I love them, and as fantastic as they were, are, and as much as they're taking over the world and forming the Illuminati, no, I'm just kidding, uh, as, as much as I love them, they are prone to crack, right? They're, they're prone to like simple things, like a kid just like bumps it off a table and the screen shatters, or anyone ever had that happen? No, yeah, and so you like go to scroll because it's all touch screen, you cut your finger, you get glass in there, and they are prone to crack. Last Sunday morning, I never do this. Going in the car, I put my iPad on the roof of the car and tied up Dawn's shoes. I never do that. Never. We'd just gotten back from a week at um, Presence Conference in Sydney, and so we were uh, just an amazing week, but very tired. Put on the roof, tied up Dawn's shoes, get in the car, forget about it. Driving down, leaving Chugan, get onto the highway, driving along, turn onto Stewart's Road. It turns into an 80-kilometer-an-hour zone. As we get to our billboard, you know where I'm talking about that? Coming to church at our billboard, I hear this. I'm like, what the heck was that? Look in the rear vision mirror. On the middle of the road, rolling and bouncing around. I jam the car over. I'm like, no. You idiot. Just so angry. Pull the car over. It doesn't even, it's like this narrow lane. It's not even off the road. Put the hazards on, get out. I'm legging it. If you were coming from Chugan at 9.15 last Sunday morning, you would have seen some random dude crying and legging it down the highway like, what the heck's going on here? It's in the middle of the road. Cars, 80 k's an hour. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And I'm like, <laughs> literally, I'm just like, I can't get it yet until there's a gap. I go and get it. I'm like, it's done. This is done for. I'm going to just have to go and buy another one. Luckily, I put it all on iCloud anyway. So I'm just like, but this is gone. This is like 600 bucks down the drain. I open it up. Not a single crack or chip on the whole flipping thing. So this is a sponsored ad right now. <laughs> I'm baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. Like, seriously, I've smashed phones doing nothing. Like, as I said, just like bumping it off something. This rolls 80 k's an hour. Rolls around. Cars are going around. I'm like, it is, it is just trashed. It is gone. And here it is. Perfect. And it seriously dawned on me. And this, I look at it and I'm like, man... I refuse to believe that this is the one iPad in all of creation that is unbreakable. Like, I refuse to believe that weird movie with Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis. Like, finally I found the one thing that cannot be broken. It doesn't break any bones or anything like that. Remember that movie where he puts him in a train crash? No? Okay, just me. And so, like, I refuse to believe it was the iPad. I think, as much as I overlooked it, as much as I didn't think much of it, as much as I undervalued this, I, I think it's because it was surrounded by such a sturdy case that even in a fall, it was protected. It was all the case. And it hit me. I'm literally driving here last week, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, how often is this case C3 Corumban to me? 
that sometimes I don't value the people around me and sometimes I don't think that they would be there, yet every single time I go through a valley and every single time I go through a tough time in my life, someone is always there just surrounding me in prayers, in love, in community. I'm serious. You guys are incredible. You guys are absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm not just saying it, I genuinely mean it. Like some awful, awful times, there's always a text from like Chris White or something like, mate, how you doing? Do you want a coffee? And I'm like, I, you just feel surrounded and safe in this community. And could you picture, could you picture if I was like, I'm so sick of this case. I just had my iPad on the top and just my iPad by itself, just boosh, 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 boosh down the highway. Like it'd be destroyed. And I'm getting this picture of, man, when we isolate ourselves, yet try to do the will of God and, and move for God and live for God, and, and, and is, if there's a real God, then there has to be a real enemy. And we isolate ourselves and we try to go through life by ourselves, thinking me is the win here, thinking me is the epitome. It is only a matter of time before life is going to come and absolutely smash you. And because you haven't surrounded yourself by a healthy, protective case, it's going to have an effect. This body, this house is something so incredible. I'm not just saying it because you're here. This has got people here for like 35, 38 years still here right now. There is something about this church that if you will not just attend and sit there and go, tick my religious box, God is happy with me. But if you will get into this body, you're in a safe place. I promise you that. I promise you that we're not just going to celebrate the highs. We're going to be there with you in the lows. And I promise you that this is not, we do not just give all of our time and headspace and, and budget to a Sunday service being amazing. We are always asking, how can we as a community impact our community? This is a moving body. This is an active body. We are not just trying to entertain. We are trying to transform. Every Sunday, we are believing God, God set addicts free. God, fill the brokenhearted with joy and love and ho bring wholeness right now. Do something amazing because we're not just trying to make you feel nice when you leave. We're trying to see that you're part of a body. And hear me what I say. I say this with love. The fake you won't help us. The false you, we're not doing much. But if we can be vulnerable together, if we can share our lives together, if we can be open together, we, uh, we, I know we're in a season we've stopped small groups. We're going to launch them in July, healthier than they've ever been. I stand on that word. If we will do life together, I truly believe that this body will just get healthier and healthier and grow not because a single person on our team cares about numbers, but because we want people's lives transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ. And it comes when we don't see our church as being 400, 420 me's, but one we. You are not a me who sits in this service. We are a we. I, I listen to people's language all the time. And, and just in case you don't think this way, I'd love to just encourage you in this. You know, when someone has been here for a year and they're like, man, your church is so good. Oh, your, your music is wonderful. I'm like, no, you, come closer. I'm, I'm wanting in my head, no, no, draw closer to the us. The win for me, do you know the win? Regardless of how much someone is serving, regardless of what you can give right now, trust me, regardless of that, soon as someone is like, our church is so incredible. Our church has such an amazing heart. I love it. Hannah and I love when people come up and they're like, our church is so great. You guys are doing a good job. And I'm like, yeah, but our church is you. We always say, we're like, but our church is you. 
So if you think our church is great, it's because of what you bring to the table. Our church isn't these four walls. They can fall down if we want. We're still C3 Corumba impacting the community because we're a body of believers who sees that we is truly greater than me. And so I promise you this. We, we want you to thrive in the us. Grow in the us. And that won't happen. I, I, I say this with love. That won't happen for you if you come from a distance and stay at a distance and, and you, you feel better. Han was talking before about when she was a, a teenager. You feel good about doing Christian things, but you haven't yet got that Jesus has brought you into a family. There's no transformation out here. But if you will come close, and it's going to be risky because out here, you're probably not going to get wounded, but you're probably not going to get strengthened. You're probably not going to get hurt, but you're probably not going to get that phone call when you're in a tough time. But in here, we, we talk about it all the time. We had, we had Cora and Emma for dinner recently, and someone we just love with all our heart was in a tough season. We're like, no, there's nothing too far. What can we do to get them? What can we do to help them? What can we do to bless them? How can we be there for them? This is what's happening in the body. As we spoke about, if you missed last week, the, the, the thing I just wanted to, I wish I had an extra 20 minutes to go on that one point. 1 Corinthians 12, I believe it was 27. Write it down if you weren't here last week. Just read it. I just love this verse. It says, In the body of Christ, if one suffers, we all suffer. And if one rejoices or is honored, we all rejoice. That's us. Hey, if you're in a tough time, I'm going to partner with you. And I'm going to pray with you until we're out of it. And if you get a, a pay rise or a promotion or, or get married or a kid comes along and you're just in a great season, I'm going to celebrate with you. Uh, I love that yesterday we got to celebrate Ramond and Casey getting wedding, like uh, getting married. And so people in our church are starting this and we're celebrating it. We're like, yes. And last Sunday, Pastors Graham and Wendy celebrated 35 years of marriage. Can we put our hands together for these guys? <laughs> regardless of what season, regardless of what's going on, hey, hey, when, you, when you are honored, when you're rejoicing, we're rejoicing. And when you suffer, wait, was that a suffering? Not a real nice <laughs> She's not here right now. How did it go, buddy? What did you, you forgot, didn't you? You forgot. You forgot it was the anniversary. That's why she's not here. No, but when you're in a valley, we're there too. Uh, we're, we're there with you in prayer. We're, if, you, if you will actually get into this body, someone's calling you. Someone is there with you. You're not isolating yourself. And so in the last 10 minutes, I always do this to myself. I'm going to... Um, speak on two different options for us, two cultures that we can have. One is a culture that I feel like is, um, it's just my opinion, I feel like it's a very strong culture in our society right now that I would call a culture of grief. Yet what we see in the body of Christ and what we see through Scripture is a, a culture of grace. And we have to be aware of it so we can actively create it and, and, and create an environment here where that thrives. Is that making sense so far? Two different cycles, two different cultures we're going to see. Number one in this culture, I'm on the whiteboard. I, try, I, I should get like one of those iPad apps, right, where it goes up. But anyway, I'm not that cool. Um, a culture of grief will always start with an insecurity in an individual. And everyone has, Richard Green says this, so this might help you. Everyone has insecurities. It's just about how secure you are in your insecurities. 
Every, you have insecurities, no matter what you uh, hear, something about your physical appearance, something about your financial situation, something about your relationship status, something about your mental, uh, the way you think or engage with things. There is something about you you don't like. Like, come on now, I, I think we all wish we were like that six foot three athlete, but you know, it just never cracked the six foot mark. Here I am at five foot ten, just weeping, like, come on now, I can't accept myself. But there is always something about, hey? <laughs> five foot five there is always something about you that you're insecure about and, and so hey it's not about not having them but it's about can you be secure in Christ about them right and so if you let insecurity grow and if you let insecurity uh, flourish what it will lead to is insecurity will become your drive How good are these pens compared to the one I used at the creator, uh, all in team night, by the way? That's amazing. I can see it from back here. So suddenly now, in a, in a culture of grief, when insecurity becomes your drive, I, I need to make more money so I can feel a lack. Regardless of what your insecurity is, just think of it that way. There's a lack in my world. I don't, I'm not happy with me yet. That's insecurity. And so what it does, it creates a drive. I, I need to work harder. I, I need to buy more things. I need to have better cars. I need to have better clothes. I need to um, fashion my social media account in a way that it presents an image to the world that I'm incredible or I'm succeeding or my kids don't scream at me every single night. My wife and I never fight. Like I need to do something to fill a lack. It becomes your drive. And it gets sadder as you continue going along, you will actually achieve things. You will. I know right now it might seem like that shouldn't be the next word, but if you work hard enough, guess what? You will get more money. If you desire more clothes or, or houses or cars, guess what? You will get them. There's something in you that won't quit until you get it. But that's not a win. Because now all of a sudden you are achieving things. As I said, you are getting that more money. And you are, if, if you, you're insecure because you're single and you go out of your way to meet someone and you achieve it. And you start dating it. Dating someone. It. <laughs> Today's day and age, I'm not allowed to say him or her. And so we're just going <laughs> to... Apologies. <laughs> but you start dating someone birthed out of an insecurity that's just screaming for tension and unhealth in that relationship. Is anyone with me? You ever seen that? I've seen it all the time. One thing I always say to singles, I'm like, hey, the only thing, the, trust me, trust me what I say, 10 times more than the loneliest you've ever felt is being in a relationship or a marriage with someone you didn't want to marry. And so in your singleness, God is there to bring complete joy and peace. In your lack of finances, God is there to bring joy and peace. In your lack of clothes and houses and things, God is there to do something. Don't, don't start a relationship because you're feeling secure. Okay, and now the, the worst, the, the, the cycle's finally finished with acceptance. I know, once again, that seems like it shouldn't be a bad word, but if you're insecure and you drive and you work hard and then you achieve things and now I can accept me, now I can look in the mirror and like what I see in the morning, now I don't hate myself like I used to. I finally accept myself because I worked hard and I got that 
thing that filled that hole. Now that seems all well and good, but every single person here will know that everything this world can give you is a temporary high. Every single thing in creation is only temporary. So please hear me now. The acceptance that this achievement gives is temporary. It will be a matter of time, maybe a month, maybe a week, maybe a day, literally. You buy that new piece of clothing or something like that, you've worn it once, you don't care anymore. Guess what acceptance? That leads straight back to insecurity. Because you can't permanently feel that, right? So here's our other option. We start with grace. We start with grace. You walk in these doors, and as you are, you are loved. And as you are, you belong here. And as you are, God looks down and smiles. Grace literally means undeserved favor. So grace is screaming again and again, before you achieve, I love you. Before you accomplish, I love you. Grace is screaming from us when visitors come in as you are. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome in. Come, come, sit wherever you want. Come. Can we get lunch together? Can we coffee? Can we catch up this week? As you are, you're loved. By grace you have been saved through faith. This was not of your own doing. It's a free gift from God that no man may boast. Grace. Grace can be misunderstood so many times because I said this before. Too many people think grace is grease. It just slips you out of your situation. Suddenly now I'm not getting punished for the bad things in my world because grace is grease and I don't have to slip out of that. I don't get punished anymore for those things. Grace is so much more. Grace is transformational. I need you to catch it's, it, it. You just have to get this one. But this is something I'll preach till the day I die. God's grace wants to change you. God's grace wants to empower you. And it starts because God's grace accepts you as you are. You don't get transformed, you don't change, you're not set free, and then He loves you, and then He accepts you. As you are now, He loves you. And then you go, God, I can't believe I don't deserve this love. He's like, I know. He's like, but you give it to me anyway. He's like, yep, can't wait to. And so you receive His love, and suddenly you start to naturally change. You start to design new things. You start to do new things with your time and money and energy. And you start to become something because grace loves you so much. It, it loves you as you are, but it loves you so much it doesn't want to leave you as you are. So grace is changing you. Be at a prayer meeting. Read the Word of God. Be in a small group. In those moments, grace is changing you and shaping you. And suddenly, grace leads Grace leads to your identity. Trust, this, this isn't like a, a theology lesson at all. This is like gospel 101. Like I need every single person just to get this. 
you're a, if you believe what Jesus did on the cross was for you, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God now. Because of grace, not because of your achievement. Not because of like, oh, I stopped doing this and I started doing this. Well, that's works. You're a son or daughter because of what he did on the cross. Amen? Amen? Come on, five more minutes. If you can be loud, I'll, I'll preach better. You are accepted. You are seated in heavenly places, the Bible said. You, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You are a new creation. Like This is all your identity now. This is who you are now from day one. This is it. You're home. This is you. Hear me, hear me. This is you. This is your identity, guys. Today, right now, you are royalty. Romans 8, 17, you are co-heirs with Christ. Holy smokes. I think this is something that I would beg you for the rest of your life to work out. I, I beg you for the rest of your days, never, never think you've arrived. Keep working out who you are in Christ because of what he did, not because of what you're doing. Otherwise, we're going to be like, oh, who are you in Christ? Oh, I'm a department head at C3 Corumbin. No. Who are you in Christ? Oh, I'm one of their top givers. No. Who are you in Christ? Oh, I lead worship. No. Who are you in Christ? I'm a son. I'm a new creation. I'm free. I'm home. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm still with the Holy Spirit. Given his gifts, I'm waiting my destiny in heaven. It's who I am. Not because of a single thing I've done, because of everything he did. Has to start with grace. Otherwise, we start going, hey, join a, you know, it's great. I know you've been coming for a while, but are you going to give yet? Are you going to join a connect group yet? Are you going to start serving yet? Why? Well, you have to. We keep saying this. You don't have to do anything. You get to. When you get, when you get grace, trust me, you'll want to give. As Han was saying, everyone comes and they're like, church always talks about money. Like, Talk about money because it's just this nothingness and I want to use it to bring other people to the grace of Jesus. Money's, what's money? It's freaking paper. You know what I mean? Like who, money's not evil. The Bible says the love of money is evil. We talk about money because I'm trying to not have a grip on your heart so tight. I'm trying to get the cross to have a grip on your heart so tightly. And so we're going to talk about all that stuff because grace leads to your identity and then your identity, you guys would have seen this again and again and again. It leads to your fuel. My desire to take God to the, Jesus and the gospel to the end of the world is not for him to love me anymore. I'm already as loved as I could ever be. But I want so many other people to experience his love. Hannah and I have laid down our life for the church. I've been serving in kids' church. I was 13. I started serving with Claus Seavers upstairs and the kids' church roster when I was 14 doing Bible college with Chris White. I've given everything for this church not to be loved anymore. I'm as loved as I can be. I want, our, I want, it's not just a nice message. I want our community to know the love of Jesus Christ. It's what I live for. And it happens when it starts with grace. Now my fuel to go, my fuel to give, my fuel to serve, it's not to earn more from God. Are you happy yet? I stuffed up last week, so if I do more, are you okay with me yet? Are you appeased yet? You're not too ticked off anymore? If it starts with grace, 
that you get his love when you don't deserve it, then about 10 years, five years, whatever, one year down the track, when you do something and you think you don't deserve it, don't go to works, go back to grace. Oh, I need you to get that point. Five years down the track, when you think you've done something and you don't deserve God's love, don't go back to works. Don't do more to try and make him happier. Just lean more into what he's already done. I'll finish with this. Can I get Matt Lane up, please? The grace of Jesus Christ will give you a new identity in Christ. Your new identity is who you are before you do a dang your new identity is Matthew 3:17 when Jesus is baptized and he hasn't healed the sick, he hasn't raised the dead, he hasn't walked on water, he hasn't done anything and, and your new identity in Christ is when he gets baptized and he comes out and God from heaven a loud voice says, "This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." That's your identity, church. That's what you need to live Monday morning out of. It's not Sunday, we're not just Christians today. Monday morning, waking up going, I'm a, I'm a loved child. It's my identity. It can't be taken away from me. If I didn't earn it, I can't lose it. That's another preach for another time. If I didn't earn it, then I'm just not, not going to lose it through staffing up one time. It's my identity. That leads to your fuel. I want us to serve on rosters here because we discover joy through being outward focused. I want us to serve on rosters because we want other people to feel His love not as a works-based religion, church. That's my fuel. And the difference is this. I want you to catch, see the different endings. Achievement is done through your giftings and your talents and your energy for your glory. Do you see the difference? Fruitfulness scripturally is when we abide, John 15, you abide in a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, abide in me and I will produce fruit through you. Fruitfulness is everything God does through you when you just have a healthy relationship with him. I can guarantee, I've said this before, honestly, I, I've, I've preached some messages here. I'm like, babe, I nailed that. So good. No one's saved. No one's impacted. Nothing. I preach some. I go home and I'm like, that was awful. All these people are like, God spoke to me so clearly through that message. I'm like, what the heck? Because if everything I do in my strength and my ability leads to my outcome, my achievement for my glory, every time I just push into Him, I just attach to the true vine, I'm just holding on to Him. He puts living water through me and He produces fruit. Pastor Phil says this. This is the best statement ever you can get for your works with Jesus, working with Jesus. He said, a tree never tries to produce fruit, but a tree will break through concrete. Its roots will literally break concrete just trying to find living water. You want to see fruit? You want to see kingdom fruit in your world? Stop trying to make it happen. Spend more time with Jesus. Pray. Worship. Read your Bible not to memorize it, but to discover Him. He's in there. If you don't know where to start, I'd love you to start in the New Living Translation, NLT, the book of John. 
The reason being is that John had no desire to talk about all the miracles. He just wanted to talk about who Jesus was. It's a great book to start in. Get to know the Bible to get to know Him more. And I know you've heard this, and I know it might be white noise to you, but I cannot beg you enough, church, with everything inside me. Live from this. Live from this, grace. Beg you to live from grace because grace, remember when we, we do stumble, happens. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, we, we have a high priest in heaven, but one who is tempted in every way we are yet was without sin. He didn't sin. So therefore, come boldly into the throne room of grace so you can obtain mercy in a time of need. What's it saying? It's like, hey, hey I, know, I know you were tempted and you gave in to that temptation, but Jesus was also tempted with that, but he didn't give in. And that's not now so He can stand above you and lord it over you. That's so He could purchase something for us in heaven. He could purchase His throne room of grace through His complete fulfillment of the law. Now when I'm in Him, He's got grace for me. And when I stuff up, I don't have to do works of the law to earn my way back to Him. I just reach out and grab His grace. We'll lead to a healthy identity. It will lead to when you stuff up, you'll come boldly to the throne of grace, not shameful to the altar of a church. And when you're here, you'll smile. You won't, you won't frown. You'll smile because your loving Savior enjoys giving you mercy in a time of need. And if you can get it, if you can get this, then you'll show that. You see the difference? Sometimes we love this for us and God and then people come in here and we go back to this. God, I love you for your grace. It's so good. It's so amazing. Hey, hey new person, why aren't you on a roster yet? Why aren't you doing something yet? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing anything? Why, why aren't you achieving? We need to live in this. Get rid of this garbage. <laughs> Let this be everything. Let this be how we are loved and how we lead. Let this be how it's, I have a relationship with God and how I live in an us community. So when someone stuffs up, hey, it's all good, man, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's go to our gracious God for forgiveness. Amen. When, when, someone's, when someone's lost, when someone's broken, when someone's hurting in a culture of grace, in an us of grace, there's security, there's identity. There's love.